Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's May 23rd, 1618, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Defenestration, the act of being forcibly ejected from a window, doesn't seem like a common enough fate to warrant its own term. But on this day, when an angry mob threw three Catholic officials from a window in Prague Castle, it was not the first defenestration of Prague, it was not the second defenestration of Prague, it was the third defenestration of Prague, and the one that would unleash the bloodiest conflict in European history. Yeah, it's got to be said, it's also the best of the defenestrations. <laughs> <laughs> the first one occurred in 1419, and that spurred the Hussite Wars, which lasted almost 20 years. The second one, that happened in 1483, but its effects on the country were so negligible that it's often termed a further defenestration, and not even sort of included in the list of major defenestrations. Yeah, I think that must have been a real kick in the gut if you were one of the defenestrators <laughs> to learn that I you're know. not even considered Counted. as one of the defenestrations of Prague. You're like, look, I've been thrown out of a window in Prague. What more do I need to do? <laughs> yeah, as you've said, the events of this day were the catalyst for the Thirty Years' War and thus arguably entirely unsuited to being broadcast in this highly digested form. <laughs> but let's attempt to explain some of the context as to why people were being thrown out of windows. The context of this particular defenestration went back about a century earlier, Jan Hus in the 15th century, and then Martin Luther a hundred years after that, had begun the process of breaking away parts of the Roman Empire from Catholicism. And then the year before this, so 1617, Ferdinand II became King of Bohemia, that's Monday Czech Republic, and he believed passionately in restoring Catholicism in all these parts of the empire that had been turning away to other forms of Christianity. And things kicked off when um, some Protestants, the Lutherans, wanted to erect two new places of worship, which they were legally allowed to do. But he, Ferdinand II, in kind of a dick move, sequestered the <laughs> land that they planned to build on and didn't just say, no, you can't build a church there. He instead granted it to the Catholic Church, which they took as a bit of a slam. Yeah, and Ferdinand actually had form with this. In his previous life, before being king of Bohemia, he had been a Duke of Styria, which is in modern-day Austria and Slovenia. And he apparently boasted that he had eradicated Protestantism there within 18 months. And this was not welcome news to the Protestants of the Czech Republic. The Protestants and the Catholics had sort of a power-sharing arrangement, similar to that that you see in modern-day Northern Ireland. And this had been going on for about 100 years in relative peace and harmony. And then, yeah, suddenly you had Protestants being arrested, you had Protestant churches being destroyed... And the king had also sent a threatening letter to some of the Protestant nobles, and they suspected that their Catholic counterparts were behind it, that they were sort of whispering in the king's ear, trying to get one over on the Protestants, which is what led to this tense confrontation on this day between Catholic and Protestant deputies. And the thing was that Ferdinand II's immediate predecessors, Rudolf II and Matthias, were both quite conciliatory in their attitude to the people of Bohemia, and they were really trying to create the circumstances where they could do this thing. They could maintain dominion, but they could grant them just enough religious freedom that they were able to accept the rule of 
the Holy Roman Emperor over them. But then by the time Ferdinand II comes along, and actually he's not yet the Roman Emperor by the time all of this goes down, but he's already got the ear of Matthias. Both Rudolf II and Matthias had died childless, so it was obvious at this stage that Ferdinand was going to take their place. But he was whispering in the ear of Matthias and saying, okay, this is what we've got to do. We've got to come down hard on these people. And that's what leads us to the day in question. Which is weird to me because... Don't get me wrong. I mean, Rebecca, you've already mentioned Ireland. I know that there have been numerous bloody conflicts between Catholics and Protestants over the centuries. But when you take it away from these contexts, you know, people angry because they can't uh, practice their own freedom of religion. A bloodthirsty mob of Christians just seems completely counterintuitive, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, no, I love thy neighbour more than you, you bastard. You know? <laughs> Jesus died for all of us, but particularly my lot. Get baptised as an adult and then come and talk to me, you prick. It's just like, you're basically saying the same thing. Like, does this need to be settled this way? Well, and these ideological differences, which had generated a couple of hundred years of conflict in Czech history, they could be over such minor things as well. I know we've already touched on this in a couple of previous episodes, you know, how small scale these theological conflicts could get. So the first defenestration, which was all about the Hussite sect. So the Hussites was of proto-Protestants. The John Calvin and all those hadn't come along yet, but they wanted to reform the Catholic Church. But the thing that was like actually the sticking point in all the conflict was about the fact that the Hussites didn't like the fact that the church only offered the chalice of communion wine to members of the clergy. I mean, seriously. And this is actually, <laughs> I didn't know this because I was, you know, I went to a Church of England school and you guys aren't Catholic. And we're the only people you hang out with. <laughs> I know, and I don't know any. Well, I've got Catholic friends, but I've never really asked them to talk me through every single minute of the Mass. But it turns out that this is actually still pretty common in Catholic churches, that if you're a lay person attending, you only get the wafer. You don't get to wash it down. That was seen hmm. as a privilege of the clergy. And so the Hussites were against this. They thought it should be offered to anyone. And so they chucked people out of windows. Can you just join those dots for us? <laughs> well, this is another contradiction in terms. The mob which had stormed the town hall in 1419 was led by a Hussite priest. They'd gone there to demand the release of some Hussite prisoners, and instead they ended up storming the town hall, defenestrating the judge, the mayor, and several aldermen. OK, so that first one was probably spontaneous, right? Sounds like dudes are angry, they get to the place, they, they climb the stairs, and then before you know it, they're pushing people and they fall out a window. And maybe They didn't like, even yeah, have a word for it then. They did, exactly. <laughs> they didn't know they were doing a defenestration. However, let's fast forward back to the date in question. At this point, this was a planned protest now by Protestant leaders in Prague. They were demanding the release of some prisoners who Ferdinand had put in jail for protesting the fact that he had granted a license to a Catholic church rather than theirs. And they'd said, let's gather outside Prague Castle... And we don't know whether they said, let's have another defenestration. But they would have been aware of the tradition, if you can call it that. You guys, are we defenestrating today? No, no, no. This isn't a, this isn't oh, a guys, I thought you said a demonstration. <laughs> anyway, so they get there and there's four Catholic Lords Regent who they're pretty much there to remonstrate with. But a couple of them they let go, holding only two. Count Yaroslav Berita and Count Willem Slavata, as well as Philip Fabricius, who's the uh, secretary to the regents, who must really have been thinking, this, is, <laughs> this was not in my brief. <laughs> Why am I being held? They've just <laughs> let two of the actual Catholic Lords Regent, the actual, you know, agents of the king, they've just let them go. And yeah. they're like, 
the secretary, no, you stay. <laughs> Is it okay if I also just slip out? <laughs> anyway. They told me a perk of the job was I'd get to work in the castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Count von Thurn, who's one of the uh, Protestants leading this demonstration, uh, says to the Catholic Lord's Regent, you are enemies of us and of our religion, have desired to deprive us of our letters of majesty. This was the thing that was meant to grant uh, religious freedoms throughout the land, have horribly plagued your Protestant subjects and have tried to force them to adopt your religion against their wills and have had them expelled for this reason. Then he turns to the Protestants and he says, were we to keep these men alive, then we would lose the letter of majesty and our religion, for there can be no justice to be gained from or by them. And at this point... Well, he's playing the crowd, isn't he? Guess what? <laughs> yeah, they throw <laughs> them out the window. Window, window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard that they kind of backed them into a corner, though, so that the window thing kind of happened a bit spontaneously so there was a mob so outside you've got an angry mob inside you've got two of these catholic deputies and their secretary still left and the crowd slowly building up you can imagine them coming up the stairs pushing these people against the window as this man is making this speech mm. and actually it, it does just then take someone to unlatch the window and they go flying out <laughs> anyone could have fallen out here it could have been some protestants it could have been the lord's <laughs> regent <laughs> and what happened next is really remarkable considering this was taking place on one of the higher floors of the castle and so all three men fell 21 meters onto flagstones Mm. And yet, as you know, you can just imagine everyone peering out the window to see what's going to happen. Count Barita and Fabricius, the secretary, actually got up and ran away on foot. Slovata had been knocked unconscious, but he was carried away by his servants, and they all lived to tell the tale. Yeah, Catholics later said that the men had been saved by angels, or possibly even the intercession of the Virgin Mary, who caught them on their way down. Later, Protestant pamphleteers countered that they'd only survived because they fell into a heap of dung, <laughs> which wasn't a story that was known to contemporaries and was probably coined in response to those claims of divine intervention on the Catholic side. There was another explanation which was that there's an incline that leads to the edge of the castle. So they didn't sort of fall onto a flat surface, but fell onto a hill, as it were, and then rolled down that and then were able to get up and scamper away. Yeah, there was also speculation that Fabricius, who fell out of the window last, may have actually landed on top of the Count, so <laughs> kind of just bounced <laughs> off like a comedy mattress. Ferdinand got to add a jot of humour to the whole business when he later ennobled uh, Philip Fabricius, granting him the title Baron von Hohenfall, which is literally Baron of Highfall, so he had this kind of <laughs> See, title. they could all laugh about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. California wine was not viewed. California wine did not exist. <laughs> Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 